It is our normal habit here on Sunday mornings to have a time of prayer before I preach, but we are going to save the prayer time for the end of the message. And I think when you come to the end of message, you will think to yourself, we need to pray. And so uh, that's how I feel at the end of this message as I've been thinking about it. And so uh, we're going to save that and we'll have that prayer time at the end of our, our message. I've been here almost five years now as your pastor. I've never preached a message like this. This is very unusual for me. Uh, our normal habit is we open the Bible and we walk through books of the Bible and that's just what we do. We believe uh, that is the right thing to do as a normal habit, but there are some times in which God stirs up something in our heart and you need to hear it. And the only opportunity to get all of you in a room is this opportunity. And I am excited this morning. I'm encouraged. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I personally feel more settled uh, in being here than I ever have before. I am more thankful than ever that God led our family here. I am uh, more optimistic about the future of our church. God has given me more excitement about where we're headed and what he is doing than I've ever had before. And that's stuff that I can't orchestrate. God is just stirring that in my heart, and so I'm really thankful. And what I want to do this morning, I want to share with you a little bit of a journey that I've been on and uh, the reality is behind the scenes, it's a journey that a lot of people have been on. And then I want to give you some text of scripture throughout this that kind of anchor us uh, in the truth of what God is doing. One of my kind of secondary hopes this morning, and I want you to hear this, is that by me sharing with you how the Lord has led me, that you might see how it is that we learn to hear from the Lord. And how God leads us and how God shows us his will. Because that's something all of us need to know how to do. And one of the most difficult things for us as believers is how do we hear from the Lord? And how do we know if we're making a right, wise decision? And, and how do we know what God wants? And what we start to realize is that as we seek the Lord, as we open his word, as we get the counsel from wise brothers and sisters, God is always faithful to lead us, as Psalm 23 says, in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. God wants to use you for his name and his glory. And so it is in his best interest for you to be in a place where you are most used for his glory. And so God wants to lead you, but he also wants you to seek his leadership. And that's what I've been doing. And hopefully we'll learn a little bit of how to do that today. About a year ago, I came to you on a Sunday morning and I just said, I need help. I need your prayers. And I said, specifically, I need to know how we need to move forward as a church. I need clarity from the Lord. Specifically, I just told you, I, I need to know if we should build more buildings. Because the original vision of this church and this campus, historically from 1912, having been in downtown Athens, moving out here, being led to do that initially about 30 years ago, there was always a plan, a master plan, uh, to finish our facilities. This was never intended to be the sanctuary. Uh, this has another future purpose. And the reason there's a big open field right when you come in the front entrance is because the master plan was to add a sanctuary there. It was always the vision of the church for 30 years. Uh, the timing has not been right. And so I inherited a vision. And the question was beginning to be asked as we were running out of seats and have about 120 in overflow right now this morning. Well, what are we doing and when are we doing it? The problem was I wasn't there. Um, my natural default is never build buildings. I don't like building buildings, to be honest with you. Um, my thought is let's try every possible thing we can to not build buildings. And so I spent about a year there and I just ask you to pray. God will give us wisdom. And multiple times over those months, I ask you to continue to pray. And we got on our knees in this room multiple times and just said, Lord, what do you, what do you want to do? And uh, I told the staff at the beginning of this year, 
the way I felt was this, Lord, I don't care really what you want me to do, but you have called me here as your pastor of these people and whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. If you want me to build 96 buildings in the next 30 years, I'll do it. I'll die in the process, but I'll do it. If you want me to build no buildings, I'll do, I don't care. And I can't tell you how much I feel that way. I don't, lo- I don't care. I just want to do what God wants us to do. And here's the thing. Only God knows what this church is going to look like in 10 years. I don't know. Only God knows the future he has and the people that are going to move to this area. So God has to make that clear. And I I had no selfish ambition whatsoever, uh, except just a desire for the Lord to to make it clear. And so I just began to to pray and to seek the Lord. I, I looked back, I keep a little journal, which is really just what the Lord shows me in his word. I just try to write those things down. And I looked back, and on January the 2nd uh, of this year, I wrote down 2 Chronicles 2012. You know this verse. It says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's a great verse. Uh, If you've never been in that moment, well, you will be. And that's how I felt starting this year. Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking at you because it's your church. It's your vision. It's your people. It's not mine. And and to be honest with you, the pressure's not on me to figure this out, Lord. The pressure's on you to reveal that to me. So I'm going to seek you, Lord. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And I began this year pressing in more than I ever have before. I began this year extended uh, fast and, and really seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, I think at the time is now. I need you to make it clear what you, what you want to do here. And in the process of really seeking the Lord for wisdom, the Lord gave me something I wasn't looking for. He gave me something I wasn't expecting. And I got to be honest, he gave me something I really didn't want at first. What began to happen as I was seeking God's wisdom on a building, God began to develop in my heart a vision for our church. Now, I tend to be cynical towards church vision statements. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe it's sinful. Maybe I'm a terrible leader. I don't know. I've just been in a lot of churches where every January, the pastor gives a new vision for the church. And after about five years, the church just ignores it because it never goes anywhere. And so I love our mission statement. We lead people to trust and follow Jesus. We're Jesus people. We want to get everybody to Jesus and keep getting into Jesus until they die. That's our mission. And I'm good with that. But what began to stir in my heart is this compelling vision for who God wanted us to be. Like at first, I didn't even think about it as a vision. I just started getting to my mind, the Lord giving me all these phrases of, Josh, here's how I want to use you. Here's the kind of church I want you to be. Here's what I want to stir up in my people for my glory in this location. And I processed that for about three months. And then after that, I took it to our pastors and staff and we began to process it. And so we had meetings in which we just looked at every line of this and prayed through it. And it began to resonate with all of us as a whole. And God began to capture our attention with this idea. So in just a moment, I wanna share it with you and you're gonna have a lot of questions and it may seem confusing, but we're gonna take a lot of time over the next few months to kind of work this out. But I want you to see this morning what it is that God has stirred in my heart Uh, about the church that he wants us to be. And the reason this is important, and I didn't even know God was doing this, is because any organization or church can't start with the question, should we build buildings? They have to start with the question, what is the vision that God has given us? Because buildings are built for vision. You can't build a building and say, God, give us a vision. You have to get a vision, and then we get buildings as a result of that. And so I didn't even know this. Like I was just seeking buildings and God said, hey, you're getting ahead of me. Let me give you a clear vision and then let's see what we need based upon what I believe God wants us to do as a church. And so we're gonna put this on the screen and I want you to see it this morning, the vision that we believe God is stirring for us. It is this, our vision is to be the visible presence of Jesus in our community. 
a healthy, I mean that spiritually, emotionally, in every way, and growing family of faith that is passionate about experiencing, enjoying, and expanding God's presence to every neighbor and every nation. Now just keep it up there for a while. You might notice that central to that vision is God's presence. And the reason is this, because what we want more than anything else is we want God. We want Jesus, that's all we want. Like we, we want to raise up a generation of people, we want to raise up a generation of kids and students who, who, ha, who have figured out how to meet with God and they're hearing from God and they're experiencing God and God is real to them. God is not their parents' God, he is their God and then they're learning to enjoy God because I say it all the time, I believe if I can get you close to Jesus, you're gonna like him. I love my relationship with the Lord and I want you to love your relationship with the Lord. And then here's what our vision is. We want the people in this church to be so filled with God. Romans, I mean, Ephesians 3, 19, to be so filled with the fullness of God that as you leave this place, everyone you encounter comes to see God by the overflow of Jesus in your life. That's what we mean by expanding the presence, that you come and you drink from the Lord and you love it and then you get filled up to overflowing and out of you are these rivers of living water that then are ministering to everyone around you. I mean, that is this compelling vision, a new generation of people that know and love God and are passionate about him. It's, it's important that we say we want a people passionate about God and his presence. And our vision is that from this place, this place in which every Sunday morning the rivers of living water are pouring in, that from this place you would depart taking the presence of God with you because as a believer, everywhere you go, God's presence goes too. And that every neighbor in every nation would be touched by this. You say, Pastor, you really think we're gonna get to every neighbor in every nation? Probably not, but I'd rather go down swinging than go down looking at a pitch. Like we're going for it. And what I mean by every neighbor is that every single person in this room has neighbors, you have associates, you have coworkers, you have people that live next to you that you pass every day. Our vision is that you would get so filled with God as we lead you into his presence that everyone you meet senses it and is changed as a result. But the first line that captured my attention, the first thing the Lord gave me is that first line, the visible presence of Jesus in our community. Now, I have way too many years of theological education. I've studied the Bible for a long time. I've studied the church for a long time. I have never had that exact thought. Now, the key to this is understanding what it says in John chapter 1, verse 18. John 1, 18 says this, No one has seen God at any time, but Jesus made him known. So here's what happens in the incarnation of Jesus, is that no one had ever seen God and now God comes in the flesh, Jesus, God in the flesh, filled with the fullness of the Spirit of God. And now it is possible to see what God is like by seeing Jesus. So Jesus showed up and we saw God in the flesh. Now here's my question. Now that Jesus has ascended and is right now seated at the right hand of the Father, above all rule and power and authority and dominion, how is it now that people are to see Jesus? How are people supposed to see Jesus? The answer is, through the church, through the ministry of a local church. And so God in his providence, he says that Jesus in Ephesians 4 ascended and when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. 
And he gave the spirit to us. And so we have the spirit and we have the gifts of the spirit. And God's intention is that people gather together in the context of the local church, which would be his bride, his body, and his family. And all of them working together would be a visible picture of Jesus himself to a community. The way in which God wants Jesus to be seen is through the ministry of the local church. And because God cares about little communities everywhere, he puts churches in every little community. And he says, okay, this is your God-given assignment. Your assignment is that these people right here see Jesus. How? Through the ministry of the church. And every individual has a role in that. If we're going to reach every neighbor in every nation, all of us must experience the presence of God and expand the presence of God But the truth is the only way it really happens is through the ministry of a church. Because you have a gift and I have a gift, but those gifts don't become the body of Jesus Christ until we're gathered together and moving in the right direction. And the truth is, listen, Prince Avenue, I believe, has a real stewardship. We'll talk about this later. We have a regional influence because God has really blessed our church. And I believe we have a great responsibility to Athens. Uh, We have a great responsibility to our college students. And we'll see that uh, more in a minute. We have responsibility to meet some of the physical pressing needs in Athens. And we're extremely engaged in doing that. Uh, We have a responsibility west and in every direction around us. But at the end of the day, listen, at the end of the day, the primary assignment that God has given us right here at the corner of 78 and Ruth Jackson is to reach this growing community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That this community might come to experience his presence from us. And as we spread to this place and go all the different places we go, we take his presence with us. But the primary assignment God has given us is this. And we're watching the growth of this community and we're seeing all the kinds of people that are coming. And listen, I know we don't want to Gwinnett or Oconee. I've seen the signs. I get it. And I know you don't want a grocery store. I know that. I would like a grocery store. But I know we don't want to. But I'm just saying people are coming here. Do we know this? People are coming here 30 years ago when God gave this initial vision uh, to the church People wondered if our previous pastor, Brother Bill, who was one of my dearest, most beloved friends, they didn't know if he was a genius or an idiot because there wasn't anything out here. And you know what we've realized? He was a genius. He was following the Lord and God had given him direction to a place in which there are thousands of people coming. And listen, those people are our God-given responsibility. They're ours. Why? Because we're right here and we're about to be surrounded by them. And so that's the vision that God began to give us. Now, the question became, if that's the vision, if God has placed us here for this community and to have a greater regional influence, then what are the practical things that we're going to do in order to fulfill that vision? And God gave us three practical things, and I want to give those to you this morning. The first one is this. One of the practical things flowing from that vision was the need to expand our ability to grow our Sunday gathering. The need to expand our ability to grow this corporate gathering. So there are some seats left around you. Not many, but a few. One of the reasons is because we have over 120 people in an overflow room right now. We turned multiple people away last week and put them in another room. Our first service uh, is about 75 to 80% full most weeks. It could be more full if some of you would stop coming to this and that one, but that's a different sermon. But the reality is we're full with the people that are here and we haven't accounted for the people who are coming here and the people that are coming to this area are our God-given responsibility. And listen, the goal at our church is never a crowd. You can have a lot of crowds for a lot of things that don't mean anything for the kingdom of God. There's a lot of crowds in a church today that don't mean anything for the kingdom of God. 
Listen, it is never a win to get a crowd, but our vision and our philosophy is this, is in our context, one of the primary places where people first experience the presence of God. What I mean by that is every week people come up to me and they say, I don't know what, I don't know what it is here. Uh, the music was fantastic. The preaching was average. Uh, they were friendly. The coffee was good, but there's something here. And you know what it is? It's the presence of God. Because that's what we want. All we want is God to show up on Sunday morning. We want the presence of God here on Sunday morning. And so what we believe is if we can get people in the context of corporate worship and they start to experience the presence of God, we can then move them from the crowd to being disciples. We can get them in smaller and smaller venues where they start here, but we get them in smaller groups and smaller groups until ultimately they're spending intimate time with Jesus himself, experiencing, enjoying, and expanding his presence from the inner circle of intimacy with Jesus Christ. But most often in our context right here, it begins in a room like this. And we want to make a place for the next generation to come and to experience what God is doing in this place. And so we feel like the Lord is leading us in that direction to go back to the original master plan, which was planned about 30 years ago to, to, to build a new sanctuary. The second thing is this, practically coming out of that vision is to invest our DNA into a new generation of men and women. To invest our DNA, what do I mean by that? Well, our vision, our, our, our love for the presence of God and our desire to be a presence-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-preaching church. God has blessed us with so many college students who are coming to our internship program. And so we have a number of interns this year, but some of them are graduating and they want to go into full-time ministry, but they don't want to leave Prince. And so last year we started an apprenticeship program. We have four apprentices right now. They're raising their support, their full-time staff working in areas of ministry. They're taking classes online at seminary. They get one class with me, a seminary class every single week. Our vision is to plant churches. We not only want to plant churches, we want uh, to see dying churches revitalized. Let me just tell you something. This community is, is filled with, with empty churches this morning. They're all over Athens. They're all over. There's buildings that are empty this morning. All east, west, north, south of us, there's empty buildings. And what our vision is, is to raise up men and women who would go into those churches and revitalize those churches. So a few years from now, they would once again be alive with the presence of God. And so we want to plant churches and we want to move and expand, but, but our vision is a bit different because most church planning or revitalizing planning works like this. Let's find a location and then find a person who can go to that location. We want to start differently. We want to take a slower, but we believe for us more healthy approach, which is we're going to raise up the men and women first and then find a place for them to go. And then we're going to follow them as they go. So our church planning strategy is raising up men and women who will be pastors, revitalizers, church planners, ministers that are raised up in this church, trained in this church, and then sent out all over this community and the ends of the earth. I want us to plant churches west of here. We've got a lot of people driving from there. We want to plant a church there. We want to plant a church east of here and to the ends of the earth. We want to plant churches and revitalize churches, but we want to raise them up here. You've heard me say this before, our vision is to raise up 100 pastors, revitalizers, church planners, ministers in the next 10 years from this congregation, send them out and follow them and support them wherever they go. We wanna create a place to do that. The final part of the, the practical aspect of the vision is this. We must, as a local church, meet the most pressing felt needs in our community. We must meet the most pressing felt needs in our community. 
I began the year by reading the gospels just over and over. And one thing I noticed is that every time Jesus went into a place, he didn't just preach, but he met the felt needs. So he, he provided food where it was needed. He provided demonic deliverance where it was needed. He provided healing where it was needed. Jesus was meeting these felt needs as an opportunity to preach the gospel. And so it is, listen, every church has a responsibility to do the hard work of discerning what is needed in their community because however that community needs to experience Jesus, that's the local church's responsibility. And so we look at churches in, in East Athens and we see the needs there and those aren't the needs here. This is the reason your pastor doesn't read church growth books because just because it worked for a guy in California doesn't mean it's gonna work here because he never pastored in Bogart, Georgia, Right? So I don't have the right to get someone else's vision for what God did someplace else and put it here because our job is to figure out what God needs to do right here in this spot. We're writing our own book right now. For how to church, plant a church in Bogart, that's what we're writing. It's gonna sell millions. <laughs> we, we have to figure that out. So over the last five years, I've been praying about this. God, what are the needs in this community? We, we don't need a, a food pantry. We don't need a clothes closet. But the only thing I've discerned that we need more than anything else in this community, and the only way I know to say it is we need relational, emotional, and spiritual soul care. We could very easily become the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3, where you say you're wealthy and you say you don't have any needs and you say you're whole, and Jesus looks at you and says, no, you are poor pitiable and lame because we live in a community that has everything, but they're empty inside. And the amount of things I'm dealing with as a pastor, the amount of counseling I'm doing is absolutely astonishing. The greatest need in this community is for us to step into the souls of people and help them navigate these difficult, emotional, and spiritual relational issues. And so part of the vision, because we have that responsibility to take care of that need is to take our old radio station building in the back of our, uh, in the back of our property that right now has offices in it to take those out and to begin a full counseling ministry, a Christ-centered, gospel-focused counseling ministry for this area. It is the greatest felt need of this community. And we gotta meet it. It's our job. We gotta meet it. We're not gonna run it. We don't have the capabilities of that. We don't want the liability of that. We are gonna work with another ministry to come and to take that building as we prepare it for them. And we believe that one of the greatest needs of this community we can easily meet by moving in this direction. And so those are the three practical things, all flowing out of the vision. The vision starts, and then there's the practical things coming out of it. But here's where I've been struggling. And I'm telling you, here's where I've been wrestling. I've been very honest with you this morning. Because we have, we have two things here. If you're with me, say amen. Okay. We have right here this vision for God and for God's presence and a desire to raise a generation who are filled with God and love him and enjoy him. And we want God more than anything. We want God's presence. And then over here is this practical stuff and it matters, like, right? If we're, if we're gonna build buildings, we need to talk about it. And it, it costs to build buildings. And so there's all this practical stuff over here. And where I've been struggling is how do we move towards the vision and not lose sight of the vision yet at the same time, talk about the practical stuff and, and answer your questions. But here's what I'm not willing to do. I'm not willing to say we're all about the vision and all we want is God and what we want most is God's presence. And then all of a sudden next week, spend the next 12 weeks going totally pragmatic on you and begging you to give money and build buildings. There's no, there's no integrity in that. Like I can't say what we want most is God and his presence and then all I do is do a 12 week sermon series on stewardship or the great buildings of the Bible. I don't know, I've never heard of that one, but you could do it. 
And I, I'm definitely not going to use Sunday morning as a platform for the practical things and miss what God is doing in this room every Sunday as we worship Jesus Christ, we're led into his presence, and we're changed as a result. I'm not going to sacrifice that for a building. But we still got to do something. And so how do we do it? How do we move in the direction of our vision, taking care of the practical things while not losing sight of what God wants to do? And, and here's the verse God gave me, the first verse that God gave me. I want to encourage you to write these down. It's Matthew 6, 33. You know this verse, but I want you to see it this morning and how it works out practically in our lives. Matthew 6, 33 says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What are these things? Well, Jesus was just talking about the anxiety that we feel over financial provision. Don't worry about what you eat or what you wear or what clothes you put on. The Lord knows those things. Jesus said, listen, you seek first the kingdom and I will add all the other things to you. And I read that verse and the question was this, Josh, do you believe that? To which I responded, I think so. <laughs> I, I've preached it a bunch. I've asked you to believe it a lot and I've discerned that it's really easy to ask you to believe stuff and a little bit more difficult for me to believe it. I mean, we all know that verse, but what does that verse mean? Where, where, where do we apply that verse? Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And where I apply it is this, is that the Lord said, Josh, if you'll go after the kingdom, I'll take care of the rest. Don't lead the people towards the rest. Don't make the, the other stuff the focus. You go after the kingdom and you have to trust my word that if you'll lead the church towards the kingdom, towards Jesus, to his fullness, towards his presence, God, do you trust that I'll take care of the rest? We sang it this morning just to take him at his word. What the Lord is saying, do you believe my word or not? Do you believe that if you go after the kingdom, I'll take care of the rest? To which I say, Lord, I, okay, Lord, I believe it, but I also know how to raise money. And that's not it. I've hired the companies. I've done it. I've targeted big givers. I've done the whole thing. But I, have, I feel no freedom in my heart whatsoever to do any of that. I don't want to know who our big givers are. I don't know who they are. And one of the reasons I don't check anybody's giving is not because it messes with me when I know our big givers. What I've discovered is this. It messes with me most when I know those who aren't giving. That's what messes with me. And so I don't know. I don't know anything. And, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to get our top 10 and have individual meetings with them. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm not doing anything that, that seems fundraising or campaigny. Did I make up two words? Fundraising and campaigny. I'm going with it. I'm not doing any of that stuff. But say, Josh, go after the kingdom. So how are we going to do it? There's three streams that we're going to move in in the next few months. And I want you to hear them. The first one is this, Sunday morning. We're going to spend the rest of the year doing a series on the presence of God. I know that this language is new to some of you. I believe the entire storyline of the Bible follows the presence of God from Genesis to Revelation and you exist and were created for God's presence and everywhere we're going is the fullness of God's presence. We wanna work that out. And so we wanna spend the rest of the year talking about the presence of God. The second thing is this, our next stream is community groups. And so what we're doing in community groups is we are taking the same topic, but from a different passage, because I do believe a lot of this is going to be new to you. And I want us to really get it as a church that we exist for God's presence. We want to make his presence known. I want you to know and understand that language and it be real to you. So we're going to take those two streams. 
And one of the ways we're going to help you do that is this book you're going to get today. It has uh, the title of next Sunday's message right there, A Vision for God's Presence from Genesis 1 and Revelation 21. The next is A Vision for His Presence from Community Groups. You can take that notes from a different passage. And then right here, there's a week one response. So this is going to help you think about these things and meditate and apply them uh, and see what they mean to your life. And so every week we've got one of these because I want us all moving in the same direction, not towards building, but towards Jesus and his presence and understanding that. And so we're moving in, in that direction. But here's the third stream. Starting next week on Sunday and every Sunday for the next three weeks, we're going to have six vision meals. So next Sunday, we'll have a lunch and a dinner. The next Sunday, a lunch and a dinner. The next Sunday, a lunch and dinner. So next week, for the next three weeks, I'll preach twice. I'll go directly to the tabernacle. We'll have a lunch together. And I'll then go home for 30 minutes and come directly back for a dinner. And all of them are going to be exactly the same. And at that dinner and only at that dinner, you're going to get one of these little books. And it's going to talk about the practical stuff because we have to talk about that. And it's filled with all kinds of exciting things about what God has been doing in our church. It's uh, got some exciting things about what God is going to do in our church. Some things like this, which you can't see because you got to come to the dinner to get it. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the specifics, but listen to something. At that lunch or dinner, and we're asking every single member to come. And every visitor, just come to one of those. College students, it's free lunch or dinner, just come. We're asking every one of you to attend one of these. That's why we have six of these. I'm not going to do some hard financial sell at those. I'm not going to do it. At those things, I'm going to ask you to make three commitments. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you to commit to pray, to participate, to pray, and to obey. I'm going to ask you to participate. Just commit. God, I don't know what you want for me, but I, as a part of this church, I'm in. What, what do you want to do? I'll do it. I don't know what it is, but I'll do it. Second, pray. You're going to get a little card at that meeting, and it's going to be a little prayer journey for you, 28 days of prayer to help you know how to pray and seek the direction and the favor of the Lord, and then we're asking you to simply do what God tells you to do. Now, do you realize how different this is? I'm not meeting with you to tell you what to do. I'm letting you meet with God and him tell you what to do. I'm not meeting with any of you individually. We're not going to talk about the giving. I'm not going to talk to you about the money. All I'm asking is that you pray and ask God what he wants you to do for 28 days and then do it, and we're not taking any commitment cards until after you've had that time of prayer. We're going to trust God's ability to tell you something to do. And we're also going to trust the word of God that if we seek the kingdom and if you in that process of 28 days are seeking the Lord and seeking his presence and seeking his voice, first of all, we accomplish our vision because you've heard from God. And the last thing that happens is this, we all get to see what happens when every single person prays and obeys and what God can do in a church. And so at the end, the win is that you've experienced God. The win is that we've seen God move. The thing the Lord continues to say to me, Josh, if at the end of this season we have met with God and God has done something incredible in us and we're in a, an amazing experience of revival, but we don't get money for the buildings, are you okay? And the answer is absolutely yes. Do I think we need to do those things? Yes. Am I going to talk to you about that? But what we want most in this season is God. That's what we want. And so I'm simply going to ask you at those things. We're going to talk about it. We're going to answer questions. And I'm going to ask you to go seek God for 28 days and do whatever he tells you to do. And we're going to trust if we all do that, if every one of us does that, we're going to get exactly what God wants us to have. But the last verse he gave me is this. Write this down. You know this one too. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. We'll end with this one and lead our time of prayer. 
So the question for me that I really had to answer is, Josh, what do you really want? Be honest with me. What do you want? Do you want buildings? Do you want money? What do you want? And the Lord answered that question for me from this familiar passage. This is the passage I preached the very first time I stood right here in view of a call, that day in which you voted on me. Like literally, I preached this message. I went to a room and you voted on me. And most of you said yes. (laughs) Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So first of all, this this tells us that God is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And the reason it tells us that is because it wants to stir up in our our heart a desire to see it. You say, well, yes, I know as God is able, but how do we know he wants to do it? Because of what it says here, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. God the Father's desire is that Christ be exalted in all things, that Jesus be lifted up, that everyone see Jesus and the way in which he does that as a church. So the more the church does, the more Christ gets the glory. And so I know that God is not only able to do more, I know that God wants to do more because when God does more in a church, Jesus is exalted. And that's what God wants. Colossians 1, that Jesus might be preeminent, that he might be first in all things. So if a church says, Lord, all we want is you and we're going after you, then God will bless that church and pour out his spirit upon that church because what that church wants is that Christ be exalted. And that's what we want. And I have not been able in my own prayers to articulate the fullness of everything I'm hoping for. The only prayer I've got is this, God, more for your glory. We want more for your glory. I said that to someone this week and they said, well, what does more mean? And I said, I don't know. But all I know is if God has it, I want more of it. I want more of his anointing on my life. I want more of his blessing on my family. I want more of his spirit upon our church. I want to see more people saved. I want to see more people baptized. I want to see more church planners and ministers raised up. I want to see more people in our community healed of their emotional baggage. I just want more of everything God has. And I don't know what that is, but I know God is able. And I'm not going to be satisfied with us just maintaining what God has given us without going for more for his glory. And the reason I want to move forward this way is because the worst possible thing that could happen is this. At the end of this season, you being aware of all of the work I've done, you would come to the end and say, Josh is such a great leader. That's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is we come to the end of this and say, there is no way he could have pulled this off. We have a great God. That's what we want. I want God to get the glory in all of this. Let me tell you how I'm feeling right now. I feel like I'm in that moment in which Peter sees Jesus coming and walking on the water and they're terrified. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter says, if it's really you, let me come to you. And Jesus says, come. And the moment that that Peter takes that step out of the boat on the water, there is nothing he can do in his own power to hold himself up. He's completely relying upon God to keep him up. What I've discovered about myself is I love to be in the boat and to lead you in the boat as long as I can control the situation. But when you choose to take a step out of the boat and there is no more self-reliance left and you cannot make this happen without being sustained by the power of God, it is an exhilarating and terrifying moment. And sometimes I go to bed at night and I say, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. I'm so excited to see what God does. And then half of the other nights I wake up in the middle of the night going, I'm an idiot. This is never going to work. I'm just, that's what's in my heart. (laughs) 
But here's the reality. If you don't step out of the boat and get yourself in a situation where only God can uphold you, then you'll never see God do anything. And I want us to be that church. I want us to see what God can do. I want us to pray that God would show us more for his glory. And so this morning, we're gonna pray about it. I don't know if you feel that. I come to the end of this and I say, oh God, we need help. So let's bow our head and close our eyes this morning.